Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, we're going to jump right in. We got a question yeah. that any leader of significant responsibility has wondered about the people we interact with that want to grow. Why do great companies with the right people, products, and customers miss quarterly revenue targets? Right, right, right. I love this question. Um, it has been asked of me more than once and uh, over the last 30 years. And uh, it's, a, it's a question that is born from a level of frustration from the CEO or the founder that asks it, right? We've done everything right, right? No one knows more about the market than we do. No one's people are better than ours. No one <clears throat> has more consistent success with their customers than we do. Yet, we're not growing as fast as, or as consistently as we could or that we feel like we should. We're still having our lunch eaten by our competitors. We still don't know where we stand in deals. It still feels as hard to take market share 20 years in or, you know, what feels like 20 years to a startup, right? Because they work 100 hour <laughs> weeks. It still feels as hard as a day we started. What's going on? Mm. I can't wait to dive into this because I've seen in so many people that I've worked with try to answer these kinds of but we've done everything right questions with right. more effort, which if effort fixed everything, people that apply all their effort would fix their things. The other thing that's come up, and, and I have felt this before, and so can't wait to dive into this deeper, is we attribute it almost to this like mystical it factor. Right. You know? Well, they've, they've got an it factor that they don't have. And I'm like, well, what is that? Like break that down because if it's an apples to apples comparison, you know, where really can we find this difference maker? So you get the question, people struggle with it. It's not it factor, it's not effort. Lead right. us down this path. How are we going to start to even understand how to get to a solution on this? Yeah. And I love the it factor, right? Because every business owner or founder, you know, is at certain points in time in their career is frustrated by comparisons to what they think are the norm, normal situations. I've been in business for 10 years. I should have a business that's this big, you know, and they compare themselves. Um, it's interesting when you think about just the average age of a venture-backed startup, think of the average age of a founder of a, of a high-growth venture-backed startup. What do you think the average age is? Mm, I feel like I should know this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there until I guess. 51. Okay, great. Most folks would guess that they're very young, right? Most folks would guess that high-growth venture-backed startups, based on the news, are somewhere between 25 and, and 35. The fact is, the average age is 45. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. 
So it just, but it just goes to show that we, we need to ignore what we think is the trend and comparing ourselves to the trend. What we have to do is focus on evidence, data. We have to be thoughtful about really what is going on at a, at a grassroots ground level uh, in our organization. And if we think about, if we have sales teams uh, that are running or principally res responsible for our revenue, we have to recognize that today, generally across organizations, only about half the salespeople on teams that perform achieve their quarterly goals. Now we're always going to recommend if you're if you're running a reliable sales operating model, you're going to know this number on a monthly basis. But most folks work quarterly. So only half the salespeople on teams that perform achieve their own quarterly goals. And worse, only about half those performers can repeat their success the following quarter. So most sales teams, even though they're helping the organization hit their numbers, aren't performing. And you've got those performers having to make up for the ones that don't. And that is how most businesses achieve success on a regular basis. And I mean, I feel like we need a rewind edit version so I can go okay, 50% and then the next quarter, only 50% of them can repeat the results. Right, right. That's that would tend to create a reality that a CEO or leader accepts and goes, well, Jimmy, you know, he's quoting those numbers. That's the way it is. That's the way it is everywhere. Should we even try to fight this battle? Just accept it's going to be superstars, heroes, mystical it factors that are going to get us there. Yeah. And those numbers, those numbers are consistent with what we see in the marketplace over the last 30 years. I just haven't documented them. Those numbers come from Corn Ferry International, highly regarded, very well-respected research group. Um, you know, the, the fact is that these are averages and they get, and it gets worse depending on the, the type of company that you're running. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have to, what we have to recognize is that most businesses hit their number by the skin of their teeth. They hit their number in spite of themselves. And what do I mean by that? You know, if if only 20 if you can only really count on a quarter of your salespeople, how 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 stressful is business, right? How stressful is your if you want to grow, and this is again why most organizations give up on growth, because they can't get past the ceiling created by this inconsistency in the sales organization. So if you want growth, then you have to figure out how to attack this challenge. And what we tend to do as founders, what we tend to do as CEOs is attack it the same way we created it. We use the same mindset and the same tactics. And that mindset, the mindset that created this problem for us is the one that says, look, I have to go out and hire great people, great individual contributors. And so what we end up doing is we hire to fix the sales organization. Instead of hiring to fit a system or a predictable, repeatable process that works for everyone in the organization. What I mean by we're using the same mindset that created the problem, the mindset that created the problem is the one that we that where we believe in heroes, right? We have a hero uh, thinking or hero thought process where we have to find these individuals who can carry the rest of the organization on their shoulders instead of that systems thinking mindset. And there's a transition that has to occur. And by the way, the organizations that get past that get past this 
this stage are the ones that we see around us doing great things. They're the ones that we see around us hiring and retaining the industry's best people. They're the ones that um, seem to make things happen effortlessly. They're the ones that capture market share during a downturn. They're the ones that operate at a level that we wish we could be at. What's the secret? It's It starts with that mindset shift. Mm. You know, this makes me think of something I've wrestled with myself for a while. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be true of so many organizations that are sales-based. Um, marketing done right doesn't make sales unnecessary. But when the marketing is amazing and, and you've poured your spirit and soul and heart into getting it done effectively, that you know the message you're putting out, you know what's being heard, it captures the pain point, that what should happen is sales can build a process that is repeatable around that. Um, and, and you know, how many episodes have we done on this? How many times have you coached me in this approach and process? And I still feel like even sitting here now as we're doing this episode, it just keeps sinking deeper uh, how powerful it is. And I, of the episodes we've done, I don't know that it's ever been articulated so clearly or succinctly that this mindset is the problem. If you get what you look for in life, you're going to go try to find great contributors. That's what you're focused on. Shift that mindset to a focus on a system. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, and we well, all have no system. We all have those those blind spots, Chris. We all have those shadows, right? This is not meant to make anybody feel like feel less than. But the idea here is that if you have the right mindset, you're going to ask the right questions. Yeah. Or we're defining the wrong standard. I mean, it's like, I think about it like we've used an example before in football. You, you don't have something des defined and designed around what a touchdown is. You know, you're getting to the 20-yard line on your side of the ball by just saying we need to have a great team <laughs> to get a touchdown is a process with right. people that know how to follow that process and contribute to it. Um, so this stretches the goal line, right? It makes it harder to get. Uh, I would think for most people, it'd be much easier, which is why we choose the path of least resistance to go try to find some all-stars versus to design a process. What do you say to people who bring that up? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's the great, you know, it's the great, lie it's the great fallacy and um you know it, it until we get past this idea that this is a problem that's easy to solve because salespeople are coin operated because of all the different lies that we tell ourselves about how to build a sales organization and all the different voices that we hear uh trying to convince us that their path is the right path and at the end of the day all they're trying to do is enrich themselves line their pockets close another deal they're not really concerned about your best interest, right? What's going to move the needle for you? Uh, the fact is that even based on a long-term study of 2 million salespeople, uh, we know that only about 8% of all salespeople consistently follow a reliable sales process. So this is, this is what contributes to that problem that we have. Salespeople are not trained to be systematic process following folks, which is why most sales processes that run organizations are so flawed. Salespeople are hired and trained to be gunslingers, and very few of them make it out of those first one or two years. And when they do, they 
they stay attached to what got them there. And because there's no master's degree, and, and think about think about the amount of influence a salesperson has on the success of your business. And there's no advanced degree that you can use to evaluate whether they have the basic knowledge, understanding to do the job. Mm. Think about all the trust and faith that you put in them, and they have, you know, they have less fewer advanced degrees than the accountant that's running, you know, the CPA that's running your books. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. So, so how do you figure that out? You know, what you have to do is do your very best to hire the, the right person for your business, but you cannot rely on them to transform your company. You have to transform how you sell first and then hire to fit your system. Then you can train to fit your system and then they can sell to fit the system that you know works. And every member of your sales organization now can work together to improve how they execute instead of working as individual contributors. Imagine how effective a football team it would be, even with a hundred years of rules and knowledge and plays that are predictable and successful. How well would a team work if everybody on the team did their own thing? Right? You'd have a much, you'd, you'd underperform. Most sales organizations are underperforming because it's a, it, they've cobbled together who they think are a bunch of strong individual contributors. What in fact, what these folks need is that, is that unifying systematic approach, that, that, um, sales model that they can all work toward and work on. And if you do this, statistically, we know this is true. I also know this true just based on the, the success of our clients. You can triple your growth rate without adding a single additional salesperson to the team. Why? Because you're now just getting more out of the assets you've already invested in. Without adding a single extra salesperson. That's incredible. And so I here's the thing for me. The skeptic in my mind uh, says, okay, you can, you've got this undefined system. It's held together by duct tape and bailing wire. Um, but, but I could just go play the lottery, open up some more sales roles on the team, kind of do those cattle calls, right? You, you, you get a bunch of people interested, um, create the structure so that there's no promise, but what can they go out and get done and then reward those highest performers and go, ah, I got, I got there. I didn't have to wait and move slow. I could move fast and just get a bunch of young guns in the shoot here um, and go get it. What happens if I take that approach? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, it, that's the approach that built the organization, right? It's, it's the heroic efforts of those, of those folks that can make it happen that build the company. It's not what can sustain growth. Um, so the idea is you could cobble together those folks um to a certain point because at a certain point you can't add people fast enough to achieve the growth trajectory that you want to or that your organization should be achieving so with the first one or two folks you're going to do great as your sales organization grows to eight or maybe you have multiple organizations inside outside enterprise mid-market regional organizations how do you continue to leverage that old model uh, at some point, you're going to have to have your company's way of making it work so that when people come to work for you, 
there's a unifying principle that they can all work toward. Uh, most top performers don't want to be the person that your entire organization relies on to hit their number, mm. right? It it just it doesn't work for them because now they have to show up and and be magical every day. They would love to optimize a system that was built for everyone. Why not? It's a systematic approach. They don't have to figure things out. They don't have to spend. They don't have to waste their time figuring out for you before they start making money. Imagine if they could hit the ground and start running within six weeks instead of six months. Most top performers would never make that six month period. So Got that's, that's so, the challenge. That's the challenge. I think the remaining question in my mind would be what if I, you know, I get the vision, I get the application, I get the long-term payoff when there is such a substantial long-term payoff to have this kind of effectiveness three times uh, without adding a single salesperson is the place I'm going to have to pay a cost is on time. Is this going to take a long time? Am I going to have to be really patient? What's that? What's that look like? Yeah. 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 I mean, this, that's the, that's the part of this. That's really exciting. Um, you know, over, as I said, over 30 years and 6,500 clients, uh, we spent some time looking at about 10,000 working sessions and try to figure this out. And, um, over the last couple of years, we've been applying what we've learned. And it, what's mind boggling to me is it all comes down to four metrics. You know, so within, within about a two week period, we can look at four, how your organization runs based on four key metrics. Um, and we can evaluate how you sell, how you manage, how you hire, um, and how you train and, and how those components influence uh, those four key metrics. And what's amazing is we can get 12, um, pieces of output from those metrics that will optimize your organization from marketing, from your branding all the way through to lead generation and deal close. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, doesn't matter who you sell to, um, doesn't matter if you're a channel sales organization, direct sales, inside sales, enterprise. Uh, it's all based on data. It's all based on math. And what's wonderful about this is it is it removes the shadows. It shines a light in every part of the organization. You can have you feel like you have this kind of omni presence over the organization, and now you can begin to leverage these metrics and turn those levers and know exactly what each member of the organization has to do to get to the number that they that they've committed to. And what's beautiful about this is now every day, every week, every month, you can track you and your your team members can track their performance against these metrics. These are not activity-based metrics, right? Activity is meaningless if quality doesn't follow. These are outcome-based metrics. These are leading indicators of success that allow everyone to, 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 to test. Hey, I tried this. How'd that work? Didn't work. I'll go back to my old way until I find something better. They can track on a regular basis how they're doing and self-manage their way to success. And now, you know, for the founder, for the CEO, what do they want? They want predictability because they've set an operating budget. They've set goals for cash flow. They have to run the business and they have to execute and fund their, their growth strategy. They can't do that 
if the sales organization is falling uh, down on their commitments. So this gives great visibility into what's going on, and it gives the leadership team a great a, a great sense of confidence, right, and security, in that at least they know what's going on, they know why it's happening, and now they know that now they know what adjustments they can make with a high probability of success. So with the journeys you've taken clients and companies on, I think about this like floor and ceiling. You've got a lot of stories of transformation, and some of those are going to be ceiling stories, right? Yeah. Uh, any, any stories come to mind where you saw they had the makings of success and and not necessarily if they worked with you, because I know you would ensure that they're committed to see through the whole process. Uh, where they they started right, they had this end goal in mind, but they just didn't finish it well. Yeah, and that's so. When you think about this, so we work with a lot of um, businesses that have been around for many years, even generations. I come from a fourth generation uh, family business. So a lot of family businesses, they're looking to transition to the next generation. So think about the founder of a of a family business, mom or dad, who really is responsible for the growth of that business and maybe has all the relationships or maybe meaningful relationships with partners, customers, et cetera. What's going to happen to that business after that person leaves the leadership role in that company? How do they transfer what makes them great to the next generation? So that's an example of a great company with a with a glaring flaw in terms of creating tra a transition to the next generation. You can also think about a, a venture-backed startup that gets started based on the uh, moxie and the connections and the market knowledge that the founder brings to the table. Yeah, moxie is an old word. I'm just dated myself. No, no question. No, I get uh, it. But, um, you know, you know, so there's that component. And you know what? It's always worked. So as the goals grow, why wouldn't the same thing work? And so we, for example, we had a client that um, they're doing about $7 million in revenue uh, on an annualized basis. They missed their quarter three times in a row. So this is this is where they hit their their ceiling, right? The ceiling of this, they had just hired a, a bunch of salespeople the year before. And the, the plan was a double revenue over the course of a year. And they proceeded to miss their quarter for the first three quarters of that year. Um, what we had to do is we had to, we had to increase revenue by, we had achieved 130% revenue growth in six months to make sure that they could hit their objectives and achieve the next round of funding that was important to the organization's long-term uh, trajectory. So 130% improvement in just six months. How do you possibly do that? Right? I mean, that could seem daunting. It could seem like, well, I got to blow it up. And if you only think about having the ability to just move people around, well, let's fire all the bottom performers. Let's go back. Let's go out and hire some top performers. Well, guess what? It's going to take you six months to hire and and ramp up those those folks. So that's not, not an option. The only option you have is to get more from the people you already have. It's to optimize their execution, right? And we think about that, think about it to, in three in three ways. One is, are they operating efficiently? So we have to look at the decisions they make. Are those decisions the most efficient based on the data and the information that they have access to? Then we have to look at effectiveness of the actions they take. 
So the efficiency of the decisions they make, the effectiveness of the actions they take, and together that creates a higher level of productivity on that team. And so by doing so, and again, these four metrics, uh, we call it the sales flow benchmark. Um, these four metrics answer those questions and give the team the direction and allow the allow the founder and the leadership to make the investments required to move those numbers and make it happen. And in those six months, we um, we grew revenue by one hundred and fifty percent. Incredible! And got them back on track. And it was just it was just me as the guide, right? They did the work. They're the yeah. ones that have a lot to be proud of. So there it is. You answered the question: Why do great companies with the right people, products, and customers miss quarterly revenue targets? Yeah, it's it's about going from great to growth, right? There's, there's a you. How do you take that great organization that you've built and get to that next level? Get past that ceiling and get on to the next step. And it's a system. You got to build the system. And a mindset. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah, the mindset shift that sets up the system. Exactly. Um, lots to chew on here, and people are either going to take action or not. We hope they take action advance their company and find the joy and freedom that comes to doing so rock and roll good to see you again man you too buddy peace thanks for listening if you've learned something or were inspired to try something new please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know if you'd like to learn more visit and connect with me james at floristgroup.com f-l-o-r-i-s-s group Com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, Shift.com. Peace. <laughs>